What's up, people? Welcome to Pod Central. I'm your host, Coach Chris. Today we have Jason Falls, leader, founder, owner of the Marketing Podcast Network, a real marketing expert in general. Like this guy's been everywhere speaking on the stages. Have you wrote a book yet? You got a book out? I've got three, actually. So yeah. There it is. Been, been around the block. <laughs> there it is. Look, I knew he had a book. I just I knew. I was just an assumption and I was 100 percent correct. So welcome to the show, Jason. Thanks, Chris. Great to be here, man. Good to talk to you. Today, I really want to get into the network. Like, how did you build such a successful podcast network so fast? That's a, I think the credit, if you wanted to boil it down to a couple things is number one, I had a good community, a good network of contacts to reach out to, to pitch the idea to. But I think also too, I landed on a pretty good idea. And I am a social media purist kind of guy. I love the building community for the sake of building community, not for the sake of making money necessarily. I think the revenue will come. The connections will come. You can build a business or supplement the revenue for your business by building community. But I love just having that sort of, I'm a social butterfly. I love having connections to a lot of people. And so the concept, what, where I landed on when I decided I was going to do something like this and the origin story of the marketing podcast network is I was on another podcast network a few years ago, trying to promote my show. I wanted to grow my own influence marketing podcast, and I was trying to find ways to grow it organically without having to invest in advertising and whatnot. And this one network that I signed up for promised that they would cross promote me to other shows. And that I could share in any ad revenue if I decided to opt in and run ads on my show from the network. And I was on that network for almost two years and never saw either one of them. So mm. I thought, this can't be hard. Let me figure out how to do it. And then once I figured out how to do it, I was like, okay, here's the concept. I want to bring like-minded podcasters together. And I'm a marketing guy, so we're going to start with like-minded marketing podcasters. And so, and we're going to do that specifically so that I can turn to an advertiser and say, hey, if you market to marketers, 100% of our audience are marketers because that's all we have are marketing shows. Now, my definition of marketing was really broad, but at the same time, that was the impetus for bringing marketing folks together. But the real core concept, the idea I think that drove it all was those two things that I was promised early on that I didn't get from another network, I was going to deliver them. Number one, we're going to cross promote each other and we build that in automatically. So I record a little promo with each of the hosts on the network and that promo for their show will play on the post roll ads and then in any available insertions on the ad network on all the other shows, right? So I'm exposing, like for instance, your show, this show, Pod Central gets promoted on Winfluence. It gets promoted on brand with Nick Westergaard. It gets promoted on marketing with empathy with Sarah Panus. And so that automatic cross promotion happens. I've got it built in so that there's no way you can't get cross promoted. That is so damn important because yeah. I've been a part of networks too, and they don't do the promotion correctly. And what people got to understand is if you want to promote a podcast, it's either going to take a lot of cross promotion because that's the free way. You got to promote a podcast to people who already listen to podcasts or you spend money. Yeah. That's it. It's only those two ways. If you're not going to promote on five or six shows, and I'm trying to get podcasts to understand this, promote other shows as much as you can. Because over here on this side, like you have to spend money. You got to spend 
four or five hundred bucks a month at least to really make it get dead. anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So I respect how you've put effort into that and talk a little bit about the technical side though, because I don't think people caught that. How you said you can record one ad and then it mm-hmm. goes on multiple shows. You yeah. gotta explain that because I know what it is, obviously, but there's a lot of <laughs> listeners who don't know. So we need the insight on that part right there. Sure. So the key to this, the dynamic advertising insertions. And basically what that means is if you are on the same hosting platform, which Marketing Podcast Network is hosted on Megaphone FM, which anybody can go sign up for an account there, but I have an enterprise platform and so I can invite a bunch of people onto my server, right? And so if you're on the same server, what I can do with each of the shows that are on that server, if you opt into it, and I leave it up to the podcaster, you don't have to do this, but if you will allow me to put either two pre-roll ads insertions that will play. So when someone downloads an episode of the podcast, what a pre-roll dynamic insertion is, it's a little piece of code that tells the podcast or tells megaphone.fm before you play this MP3 file for this episode, go pull from the ad library for this network and play a dynamic ad. And that, and what I mean by dynamic ad is the ad insertion is there. The spot break, if you, to use an old radio term is there. So commercials are going to play, but I can control which commercials play and when. So you don't have to re-edit the MP3 file. It dynamically changes those commercials when that little timestamp happens. And that right there is important people because I know when I talk to a lot of podcasters, they immediately think, oh man, I have to go back and edit this and edit Mm -hmm. that. That's not what we're doing here. It's a way faster and easier way to promote. So I don't think everybody should launch a podcast network. I'm not saying that. But if you want to run ads, there's a really a lot of different ways you can do it. You don't have to sit in your editing software and making all of these changes and exhausting yourself, man. It's a lot of different ways you can do it. Right. And the dynamic insertion thing that you're using with a network is it's probably not as useful for one show, although it can be. Because the difference between a dynamic inserted ad, uh, you have to remember, is you don't always know exactly when that ad is going to play. Because I might record a commercial. Let's say I record a commercial for promoting Pod Central. That might play on the first commercial in that break. It might be the second commercial in that break. Or if I do a mid-roll insertion, a dynamic tag within the podcast episode, it might play in the middle of the show. And so it's not always going to be, it's not like you can... Uh, If you are doing a host read ad within your recording, you can predict that it can be much more organic. It can be much more of a conversation if you have somebody that you're talking back and forth with. So that those ads, those types of commercials that are baked into your show tend to perform better because they're more organic or more natural. You can spend more than 30 or 60 seconds doing them. A dynamically inserted ad is kind of like a radio commercial that you would hear anywhere else. Now you can have the host of the show read the ad and record the ad so that it sounds like it's more that particular host, that particular show, and it's much more of a natural experience. But you have to think about the fact that there's going to be a little bit of a drop off in the performance of that commercial and the experience for the listener than something that you and I would just be chit-chatting about within the confines of recording the show. And I've talked to a lot of podcast listeners, obviously, over the years, and that's the biggest pet peeve people have is they're listening to a show and then a random ad pops up that doesn't fit with the show. And it's just out of nowhere and it's really aggressive and 
especially when the sound doesn't line up, like the ad is way louder than the actual audio of the show. Oh, <laughs> if you're listening in a car. Oh yeah. man, it sounds horrible. So yeah. I do think that with promoting the marketing podcast network, it's important to keep these strategies in mind. Now let's move on to the other side, which I know everybody's dying to learn about the monetization. So I want to start with, is it easier to you to make money as a podcast network versus being independent podcast? It depends on the construct and the way that I built the marketing podcast network is we are basically the pure definition of a communal effort. So we have over 45 different hosts and shows on our network. I think we have almost 40 of them are opted into the ad network. And so what happens there is we aggregate our downloads. So if we have 20,000 downloads a month amongst all of our shows, which is 40 or so shows, so that's about an average of 500 downloads a month per show, you're not going to be able to go out and sell a whole lot of CPM cost per thousand impression ads if you only have 500 downloads a month. You're basically, your CPM is going to be, let's say, $25. If you have two ad insertions in your show, that's a thousand insertions per month on a 500 download per month show. So you double that for the two insertions and that's 25 bucks. So you're going to make $25 that month out of your show. You, If you have obviously multiples of a thousand downloads, then you can make more. And for people who get up over the five or 6,000 downloads a month, which is not a lot of podcasters, quite honestly, if you get more than five or 6,000 downloads a month, you probably can go out and sell ads at a higher CPM, maybe a 30, 40, $50 CPM. And you can make a few hundred dollars a month off of your advertising that way in the CPM model. Yeah. If you are in a network like ours, that aggregates the downloads. So we have 20,000 or so a month. We go out and sell, double that to 40,000 impressions that we can sell. So I can go to big media companies and say, hey, if you have clients like LinkedIn Marketing Solutions that are trying to reach advertisers or marketers, we're a great, highly concentrated audience of marketers. So you should advertise with us. We charge a higher cost per thousand rate for these media agencies and these brands because we have a highly concentrated audience of people they're trying to reach. Yeah. So I can sell that aggregated download impression buy, that media buy. I can sell it for more money and the advertisement is going to reach a more diverse audience of people, but still within that niche. What that does is it makes the ad buy more effective. So that's why I can charge a little bit more money. Now, if you don't have about four or 5,000 downloads a month. If you're a smaller podcaster, then if you aggregate all those downloads, what we do is we pool all of our ad revenue into one pool and we divide it evenly amongst all the podcasters. Mm -hmm. And so if there's 10 shows and there's a thousand dollars in the pool, everybody gets a hundred bucks. So yeah. it's completely communal. Now, I don't know of anybody else that does that. I think Marketing Podcast Network might be the only one because typically what happens and then the network that I used to be on, they put all the money in the pool and then they basically grade it on, it's like a per capita. So if you have 100,000 downloads and let's say there's, let's say there's $500,000 in the pot. If you have 100,000 downloads, you're going to get $100,000. If you have 50,000 downloads, you get $50,000. Like they base it. The, your payout based on the number of impressions that you deliver. So you're not going to get any more. In fact, you're probably going to get less than you would yes, if you had your own less. 
ad buy. So the reason, the other reason Marketing Podcast Network is successful and the reason it's been able to grow quickly is because I'm turning to these little folks who don't have a lot of downloads and saying, you're going to make money from day one because your ad network is going to be an aggregated thing that we split evenly. The challenge that presents, just so everybody understands, is when I approach a show that has a large number of downloads, I have to convince them that the difference in money that they can make on their own and the money they can make with us, because they can probably make more money on their own, If, but I have to convince them to invest that difference in the community because mm. it's the ones at the top that have to share the wealth with the ones at the bottom for what we're doing to work. And I think that's like an important part because if you're a podcaster, it should be a long-term game. Like it should be, it's the long game. It's not something where you do it for six months and you get this massive result and you cash out at that nine, 10 month mark. Podcasting is a three, four, five year game. Mm -hmm. And I would like to think that it's better to, if you are one of the bigger players and you're a winner, I would be a part of a network where I'm the big fish in a small pond, so to speak. Because now I want to leverage that community. Mm -hmm. I want to get speaking events. I want to sell my other products and services, promote my software. I think that if you can give up the money in terms of just the sponsorship and ad revenue, there are so many other income streams to focus on. So sometimes podcasters get this kind of tunnel vision on sponsorship where it's the only way to make money podcasting. And once you get past that, you realize how profitable you really can be. Yeah, that's true. And what we've seen from a little over a year of doing this, we're still 14, 15 months old, but a little over a year doing this, what I've seen is the cross promotion works for shows that publish consistently. So if we've had a show that's done five or six episodes and they drop off, their growth is going to drop off too, because they're not consistent with publishing. But yep. for everybody who publishes consistently, weekly, monthly, twice a month, whatever it is, the organic show promotions have led to great increased growth for those shows. It's all, you can almost draw a line and say, Hey, if you stopped publishing at some point, then your growth <laughs> goes down. If you don't stop publishing, then these organic show promotions work. People will come, they listen, they hear something new, they hear something timely and they subscribe to your show. And then now you've got another subscriber. We've got a couple shows on the network that have grown triple digit percentage in, in terms of number of subscribers just because wow. of those organic promotions. I love that. And I think that's part of the network part that people obviously don't see as a benefit, but it clearly is. But for me, one thing I think that's a big benefit is leveraging the community space. Mm -hmm. And I take longer to execute on some of those types of things because I want to have certain things in place and really set stuff up. Like you've seen the software already, right? Again, I think what most podcasters got to think about when you're either launching a network or thinking about joining one is think about ways you can leverage that community of podcasters you'll be working with. That is, I think, more important than the ad revenue you'll get or some of the sponsorships you'll have, the people you can meet. That right there, I think, can really be what changes your life for sure. And then you're absolutely right. And the number one recommendation that most podcast experts who, when you ask them, okay, how do I grow my show? The number one recommendation they typically make is you got to go be a guest on other podcasts. And so with the Marketing Podcast Network, the very first time we did a monthly creators call, which was in January of 2022, we had probably 20 or 30 people on the network at that point. And when I turned on the Zoom call and everybody populated, I could see the light bulbs going off 
because they went, Ooh, I want that person on my show and I want to be on yeah. that person's show. And now all of a sudden yeah. everybody's introducing themselves to each other. And you've got this again, community of like-minded people. We're all marketers. We're all talking to marketers. And so if I want to talk about podcasting on Winfluence, which I have, which is my influencer marketing podcast, who am I going to call? I'm going to call Chris Hines because Chris Hines is in my network. He's somebody I know. We're connected. We're sharing in this, helping each other grow. So I'm going to cross promote him on my show by having him on as a guest. Why do y'all think I'm here? Right? Because Chris knows me and says, hey, come talk about this network thing. So that's the power of that community that you can tap into. And it goes beyond that too, because we've had plenty of people in our Slack community who have come in and said, hey, I'm looking to buy a new microphone. What do you guys recommend? And now all of a sudden you've got qualified, like-minded people helping you get the business of podcasting done too. Yeah, it just, it all really works together. And I think sometimes the podcasts I speak to are so focused on the money part that they look past everything else, even past other income streams. But once you get out of the mindset of I'm trying to get this sponsor and I'm trying to get that sponsor, you create a lot of opportunities. Like I think you should have a list of ideal guests that you want to have on your show. Everybody should have like their golden 10. Somebody in that network might be connected to somebody else that could get that person on your list on your show. That's oh, usually sure. how it happens is you don't meet the celebrity or the millionaire. You know somebody that knows them and then you get referred. Mm -hmm. Next thing you're sitting right in front of them. That's happened to me at least 20 times now. Oh yeah, me too. As the, it's the same kind of thing. Seth Goldstein is one of our fellow podcasters on the Marketing Podcast Network. And I can't tell you how many times he has introduced me to someone that I want to have on my show, or he's reached out to me and said, hey, you just had on your show. I want them on my show too. So now all of a sudden you're just sharing a resource with other folks. And yeah, eventually it can lead to those, your 10, your golden 10 list, if you will. The, the fact that you just have a wider net of people who are thinking about what your show is and what you're doing and that you can watch with their show and understand, oh, this person has access to this company or this person has access to this industry and I don't and I want it. So now all of a sudden you're doing just traditional networking. You just happen to be doing it through a podcast community. Yeah. And I think that's where networking is going eventually. Cause I just think the days are gone of you being able to say, Hey, let me buy you coffee. And then you get to meet with somebody like that's just not happening. Now you have to give them something and interview is the best thing. And that's yeah. the lowest hanging fruit. So with other parts of the network in this journey so far, what will you say has been the most challenging part of running a podcast network? Probably the most challenging part for me, because I don't have a sales background. I'm not a salesperson necessarily. We're all selling ourselves every day, but I'm not a salesperson. So selling ads, really having the contacts with the media buying agencies, developing relationships with some of the brands and showing that we can deliver on the promise of impressions and maybe even conversions as well. Driving conversions, performance-based advertising campaigns via a podcast is tough. It's difficult because you have the challenge of the audience has to remember what to do after they hear it, right? If they're not yeah. sitting at their computer or looking at their phone and it says, hey, go to this link or click on, go to this website and click on this button, they have to remember what to do. So there's an extra challenge there. So I don't think podcasting is great for that direct conversion type campaign. It's much better for awareness, driving impressions, et cetera. But being able to 
not only try to overcome those challenges, but find the actual advertisers that are interested in this niche audience is a lot harder than I thought it would be. I've got a lot of feelers out there. We've had some successful campaigns with several companies. We've got some case studies to share, but that's going to, and I think that's going to solve itself over time. We're doing some cool networking things now, like we're now a member of a partner with Sounds Profitable, which is an industry think tank. And a lot of the media buying agencies and whatnot are a member of Sounds Profitable profitable too. So now we're expanding our network and getting introductions to those people, but it'll solve itself over time. But that's been the biggest challenge is actually getting in front of the advertisers and convincing them that this little niche marketing thing over here is worth investing in. I agree. I do think that part is challenging. When I had my network years ago, that was the hardest part. I didn't really even had a ton of success with a ton of companies, but it was a few I worked with and it was like, okay, we got good results. Let's go back. And I do think that it's something that's, it's a long game. It's a long game thing, but I do love the way the network is shaping up because I've been a part of a couple of networks. I've ran my own. I'm just, I have such a different focus now. I could never see myself. I couldn't do another podcast network right now. I just don't have the time, Sure, but I love being a part of one. I love being connected to the right people and being able to leverage your relationships, man. That's just, for me, that's become more valuable than the money part because the money will just find you when you're good at what you do. Yeah. It's going to find you. So what advice would you give to somebody that's, hey, I'm branching out. I'm leaving this other podcast network. I want to start my own. What's that piece of advice you would give them? Hey, you got to do this part right. I definitely think that if you want to grow quickly, you've got to come up with a compelling offer. And you've got to differentiate yourself from other podcast networks, which is, I think, one thing that I've done fairly successfully. You got to remember other podcast networks, again, are probably operating with the mindset of how can we, the network or we, the company behind the network, make more money. They're not necessarily worried about how you, the individual podcaster, are going to make more money. So my advice, based on what I've done, is figure out an offer, figure out a plan or a unique selling proposition, if you will, to go to a podcaster and say, you're going to like being a part of this network more than others because A, B, C, either we're going to share revenue with you evenly, doesn't matter how big your show is, or you're going to have automatic cross promotion and we're going to really focus on organically growing everybody's show, or we're going to plug, build a network of like-minded podcasters that you can collaborate with or all of the above. I think other networks are really all about, hey, you can just be associated with all these other shows and there's not necessarily cross promotion involved. There's not, it's more of a, of trust by association. Other, some networks will do cross promotions and things like that, but really what they're in it for is we're going to bring enough shows together so that we can go out and sell a bunch of ads and make profit off that, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I don't think those types of networks ultimately have the goal of making profit for the podcaster. They have goal of making profit for the network. And this thing is a side hustle. Marketing podcast networks is a side hustle thing for me. I don't ever have to profit off of it if I don't want to. In fact, I have a show on the network and I get a share of the ad revenue just like everybody else. We have a couple of other creative and operational things that we monetize to be able to pay for the operations of the network, but I don't take home a salary or anything from it. I do it for fun. And that's probably what's going to sustain it for a long time. And if I ever get tired of it, I'm going to try to find somebody else who wants to do it for fun too, because I think that's what's going to keep it, keep it going for the long term. Yeah, man, I agree with that. It has to be some kind of fun and passion behind it. If it's the main thing, I try to tell podcasters, if it's your main thing, you can't expect it to be really profitable, 
until like year two and a half. Yeah. Quit your job kind of money, you're going to have to be a couple years in. Yeah, and you for can sure. start making money early, but quit your mm-hmm. job money. Yeah. It's yeah, going mean, to take some time. You got to think about it. If we sold out our inventory, let's say we, in the next few weeks, we get up to 50 shows on the ad network. And let's say we up it and we've got, let's say we've got 30,000 aggregated downloads a month. So I can sell 60,000 impressions. If I do all that math out there and I'm sharing the ad revenue with the other podcasters, I'm still not as a business, the marketing podcast network itself is still not taking home a whole lot of money. So you've got to build, if you want to actually quit your job money running a podcast network, you've got to build it with the impetus or the goal of what the other podcast networks have in mind, which is how can I create revenue for the network, not necessarily for the shows. Again, there's nothing wrong with that approach. And I would definitely, if I were to, if I had my druthers and I had enough money to invest in it and didn't have to worry about money myself from a day-to-day perspective, I might go out and start a true crime podcast network or a comedy podcast (laughs) network or something like that and build them differently so that they were my income source. So the marketing podcast network could be my fund. So I, I would do it differently if it weren't something that I were passionate about, but I really love marketing podcasts and I love that community. So I'm really focused on just making the community work, whether I profit from it or not. My advice to anyone starting a, a podcast out is, first of all, establish your goal. What what are you trying to do? And then build a really compelling offer for the podcasters that you want to target to help you to that goal so that they'll have an, a, no reason to say no. Make it hard for them to say no. I've got a couple of podcast targets that I've been trying to bring to Marketing Podcast Network, and I'll lay the offer out and they say, I'd love to, but... And I typically have an answer for the but. I can tell them I will do this for you or I will add this or I will do whatever. But there's a couple of them that are big enough that they can make more money on their own than they can joining us. And I respect and understand that. So we're not going to go get those big fish marketing podcasts probably. But I keep needling them. Okay, hey, man, this (laughs) community is awesome. And if you were a part of it, it would be awesomer and you'd have a bunch of other people in your network that you could plug into and would be really friendly to help promote your stuff and all that kind of stuff. So I'll keep working on them. (laughs) Yeah, it's something I think could happen down the road for sure. And I think part of a podcast network that always exists is exposure. Some -hmm. people will just want to be a part of it because part of it. I don't think that's ever going to go away. And if that's the point that people want to use to sell themselves, I'm not really judging you because... In podcasting, that does matter sometimes. Sure. If I'm a part of something that was a part of, I'm now an expert by association to that person, which gets me certain guests, certain opportunities. So it can can work in your favor, but I don't think that should be like your calling card. That shouldn't be the main thing. Like it can't be. That's like a backup. It's icing on the cake. Honestly, when I tell people, when I'm trying to recruit a podcaster, I'll say, look, the one of the icing on the cake benefits of this is you're on the same network with people like Nick Westergaard who does on brand, which is a great podcast. You're on the network with Keith Smith who does the fuel podcast, which is a little bit bigger in the United Kingdom than it is here. But at the same time, we've got a global kind of sense to it. You're for immediate release with shell Holtz and Neville Hobson. That is a PR podcast. That's been around for 15 years. Those guys are like, revered in the PR world and they're a part of this network. So throwing those names and saying, you're going to be associated with some trusted experts in the marketing community. 
yeah, that puts your podcast right up there as, hey, this is another trusted expert in the marketing community. So there is a little trust by association, if you will, that happens there. You get some credibility just being on the network with these folks. But again, you're right. It's icing on the cake. It's not the reason you should do it, but it certainly is helpful to you as you're trying to pitch your podcast either for advertisers or you're trying to attract clients and say, hey, you should go listen to my podcast. I'm on the Marketing Podcast Network with Nick Westergaard <laughs> and Christopher Hines, and Jason Falls and Sarah Panus. And sometimes yeah. it opens doors for you. I think that's where we're going, man. I'm super excited for it. So <laughs> let people know where they can find you, how they can support you, all of that good stuff. So the Marketing Podcast Network is at marketingpodcasts.net. If you're interested in being a show, if you are a marketing podcast or touch on marketing, there's some information that, uh, that you can click on for podcasters. And then if you're an advertiser who markets to marketers, there's a button you can click to, to find out how you can get involved with our shows. And then my show, Winfluence, the Influence Marketing Podcast is on that network, along with the show for my day job, which is at Scipio.ai, which is a an influencer slash UGC slash community commerce marketing company. And so we have a show called The Rise where we interview people about community building and whatnot. So those two shows are on there. So I'd love you to check me out too. All right, man. Sounds good. Jason, thank you for being on. I appreciate it, Chris, man. Thanks for having me.